Creative Babble. Vampires are cunning creatures. In the movies, they're attractive and appear to be highly sophisticated. They're also manipulative, devious, and confident. Vampires are driven by one thing, blood. They spend their nights stalking people in the dark. But how do they pick their prey? Well, it's all about timing. A good vampire knows exactly the right time to strike. Vampires are also intuitive. They know how to read their victims just by looking at their demeanor. But they won't go after just anyone. Vampires take advantage of people's natural instinct to trust. Their victims almost have to believe that they're safe. You see, it's also got to be easy. The last thing a vampire wants is a fight. If the vampire senses any signs of resistance, they're out of there and move on to their next victim. If you are the vampire's victim, it's not because you're weak. That's not it at all. That just means that they were able to take advantage of your vulnerable state. There's a difference. I think you see where I'm going with this. Just replace the word vampire with the word con artist, and it's pretty much the same thing. What I've learned from producing this show is that con artists are often described in different ways. They could be a stockbroker, a real estate agent, a preacher, a magician. But in this episode, we're going to take one final look at psychics. They're the most slimy of them all. Psychics are the worst, aren't they? They're like grief vampires taking advantage of our broken hearts by claiming to communicate with our dead or missing loved ones. The US market for psychic services is worth about $2 billion annually. That's $2 billion. Today, you're going to meet an ordinary woman who has dedicated her life to slaying these grief vampires and exposing them on tape. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend, stories about real people pretending to be someone else. I want to tell you about a service that I just started using. It's called BetterHelp.com. And I have to tell you, I'm super impressed. I mean, it was easy to set up. And in just a few minutes, I was matched with a counselor who specializes in the area that I wanted to talk about. I can't tell you how great it felt to just get my thoughts out in the messaging feature. I was able to organize my thoughts before I spoke to my counselor. And the best part is, it's safe and secure. And also, it's super convenient. I'm able to get help on my schedule and pace. You can even schedule a chat or a phone conversation with your therapist. So if you're feeling depressed, stressed out, having relationship problems, or any concerns, you should really try this out. This is not a crisis hotline. These are more than 3,000 real U.S. licensed therapists working on your schedule. You should give it a spin. 
Pretend listeners get 10% off your first month with a discount code PRETEND. Go to betterhelp.com slash pretend. Susan Gerbic is just like you and me. She has a normal job working as a baby photographer, but at night, she is a badass vigilante hunting psychics. One of my favorite uh, things to do is to go after, or I guess you should say, try to expose uh, people we call grief vampires, which are those people who claim to speak to the dead. Susan says she's never really been the target of a psychic. So I've, I hadn't had an experience with a psychic that was bad or anything like that. She just doesn't like them and the way they profit from people's grief. I don't know. The lying really bothered me, and and it, and it still does. That they're and they're relying on, you know, trying to attach themselves to people who are grieving or have had some loss or a missing child. That just seems so awful. To Susan, the tricks these psychics are using are formulaic. They're all playing from the same playbook. I guess also I can see how clearly it's done once you see the mechanisms and you see how they're doing it it's not it's really i don't know i just look at it and go how can you not see that how how can i be the only person seeing that it's so obvious she asked herself why isn't anybody doing anything about this and like all great vigilantes she decided that she was going to do something about it the first thing she did was assemble a group of like-minded citizens she calls them the guerrilla skepticism on Wikipedia. Uh, years, years ago, maybe nine or ten years ago, I started getting interested in the skeptic community, and we are a community of people. The group she founded, Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia, pretty much scours Wikipedia and rewrites and corrects inaccuracies. She says her team has rewritten over 600 Wikipedia pages. But editing Wikipedia wasn't enough. Susan and her team needed to get out there in the real world and expose these con artists. They needed to focus their attention, so they picked psychics and mediums. And not just any small town psychic. The people who read tarot cards on the corner generally are probably like going to talk to your Aunt Elizabeth about your relationships and she's going to tell you like a wise person and say, you know, why do you keep hanging out with these bad people? Like a therapist, right? It's, it's just somebody, yeah, sort of like a therapist that is an inexpensive therapist. So now keep in mind, some of those people are, are really bad people and they will hook you and they will, you know, find that there's a curse on you and bring me money and I'm going to put it in a bag and we're going to bury the bag. And Susan wanted to aim higher. What I'm really interested in is the people who are either psychic detectives who claim that they can tell you where missing people are and solve crimes. I find those people abs- absolutely apprehensive. I, just the worst of the worst. And the worst of the worst? are quite wealthy. And then grief vampires, which are these people who tend to be, well, the ones I'm looking at are the more celebrity types. The Tyler Henry from Hollywood Medium, Chip Coffey from Psychic Kids, uh, Sylvia Brown, uh, who's now dead, but John Edward, those kinds of people. But like all great superheroes, Susan and her band of skeptics have to follow a code. They never go after the believer. It's not, like I said, to get to the believer. The believer is the victim in all this. 
We're trained to mess with the psychic and the psychic's handlers like the Montel. Those are the people we want them to know we're on you. We're on to you. We know what tricks are doing. They want to strike fear in the cold hearts of these grief vampires. We are invisible. We could be anywhere in this audience. We could be doing who knows what, and you'll never know. And because you're not psychic. Their first target was Sylvia Brown, quite possibly the most despicable psychic of them all. Sylvia Brown was a kind of a more popular uh, daytime psychic. Sylvia Brown, if you recall, was a frequent guest on the Montel Williams show. This woman would go on television and straight up make up things. Just show business, right? She was one of his regular guests and um, she would she did all kinds of things, but she didn't foresee the internet. I lost my boyfriend tragically um, a few years ago. They never found him. And I've had such a hard time since every day. The reason why you didn't find him is because he's in water. And to find him in water, it's like the girl that's missing in Aruba. You can't find somebody. Well, it was September 11th. There was no, he was a fireman, but. Well, no, see, I keep seeing him in water. From 9-11. Because he, he says he couldn't breathe and he was filled with water. Hmm. Well, if they were trying to put the fire out to Montana. They could have, you know, I, yeah. And Sylvia Brown was the one. You know, she was the annoying one. She would, she would go onto TV and she would say... Uh, your your daughter was taken and she's now a sex slave in Japan and she's being, you know, raped over in Japan and that's where she is. She's not dead, but what bothers me, now I've never heard of this before, but for some reason she was taken and put into some kind of slavery thing and taken into Japan. Soon after that specific Sylvia Brown reading, a man was convicted of kidnapping and killing the child. Not in Japan, but in Texas. Or how about the time when Sylvia Brown told the parents of an 11-year-old boy that their son had been kidnapped? The guy was um, dark-skinned. Um, although he wasn't black, he was more Hispanic-looking. Um, had uh, real long, dark hair. And strange enough, Hispanic, but he had dreadlocks. Sylvia said that the man with dreadlocks murdered their son, but their son wasn't dead. In fact, they found him alive years later. And the man Sylvia described as having dreadlocks, well, he didn't look like that at all. They found the guy, he had been taken by somebody who was a white man with no, almost no hair, shaved head, and he was living a few miles away, and he was alive. Pretty harmless, right? This whole time, the parents lost hope when their child was actually alive and in danger. Hearing that was one of the hardest things we ever had, had to hear. What a cruel joke. What about the Sago mine disaster in 2006? But there was a mine that collapsed and she was live on TV at the time. Several miners were trapped underground. And the mine collapsed 
And she said, oh, wonderful. I knew they'd be rescued. This is wonderful. And then they went to commercial break and came back and all of them had been found dead. This is just entertainment for her, but these are real lives, right? Like, I think that she was just so rude and so harsh that people thought she must be okay, you know, that she must be real because she's so mean. Susan's first foray into psychic activism was to humiliate Sylvia Brown in person. Her partner, Mark Edward, attended a Sylvia Brown event in Las Vegas. Here's a clip from the event. Okay, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to read out, take out your ticket slips. The voice you're listening to is of Montel Williams. And I'm going to read out some numbers. Mark Edward went to a Sylvia Brown event, and what he did is he got in line because Montel and her were on the stage. It was a big stadium with a thousand people or something. And they said, if you have a ticket, you know, with a number, uh, um, a lottery, you can come down and ask her a question. Two, three, six, zero. Two, five, so Susan two, and her team bought one, a load seven, five, of raffle six. tickets. And what do you know? Susan's partner, Mark Edward, was holding one of the lucky raffle tickets. Okay. If I called your number, and go to this microphone. So what Mark did is he got in line. He got right up to the microphone. And he started acting like he was in a trance. Yes, sir. Hi, Sylvia. I uh, keep having these visions. I have a spirit. And the spirit sends me these images, these dreams. And I keep seeing these people. And I want to know. These names, if you can explain some of these names, because it's just in my head and they're driving me crazy. Mark gets up and uh, starts recalling the names of all James, of Sylvia Brown's false predictions. Feral. These are all your guides you're picking up. No, they're not guides. They're yes, dead. they are. They're dead. Who's Linda McClellan? Guides are on the other side. Don't you call that dead? Who's Who's Linda McClellan? Why, why does somebody named Holly... Kirshan, they're, they're dead, but they, they're pissed. No, they're not. And they're in this, and there's also these people that, they're in a mine shaft. It's just... No, you're getting visions. You have to ask God to take them away. Suddenly, Mark falls to the ground. There was no reaction from Sylvia Brown. You have to ask God to take them away. What? Okay, well, whether the twin will help him, is she yeah. okay? Go ahead. You answer, yes, sir. You had a question. Okay. The security team carried Mark away. This was a stunt designed to embarrass Sylvia Brown. But in the end, it did nothing to expose her. If Susan was going to bring down these psychics, she needed undeniable proof. In order to catch a psychic in the act, Susan needs evidence. She has to catch these guys on tape. And she needs proof that the information these psychics are using is purely manufactured. So how does she do this? We have to understand some psychic lingo. You need to know the difference between a cold read and a hot read. Trust me, it's important. 
Define define a hot read versus a cold read. When you're just reading the person cold, you don't know anything about them. For instance, a cold reader can quickly look at you and gain a lot of information. They can look at your body language, age, ethnicity, the way you speak, and the way you dress to tell a story about you. Remember, they actually don't know anything about you. They're just guessing. It's basically the same technique that Sherlock Holmes uses to solve his cases. It's quite an impressive skill. A hot read, on the other hand, is far more precise. This is when a psychic knows very specific information about you. They can tell you the names of your deceased family members. Or they can even guess a specific type of cancer growing in your body. But these aren't whispers from beyond the grave. Most likely, these are just clever charlatans who took the time to look you up or happened to overhear a conversation without your knowledge. So then a hot read is whenever they have some kind of information, and there's tons of ways they can get information. One of the common statements I hear all the time is, there's no way they could have known that. It's like, oh my gosh, I could tell you so many ways they could have known that. So now that we know what a hot read is, it's time for Susan to catch these guys in the act. She needs to expose a so-called psychic with indisputable proof. Don't watch the world with Susan's first target was a psychic who goes by the name of Chip Coffey. She has studied Coffey before and knows how he runs his schemes. And so tell me about Chip Coffey. So Chip Coffey, okay, what would you like to know about Chipper? Chip Coffey was scheduled to perform a show in San Jose, California. Susan reached out to her team and began planning a sting, which they now refer to as Operation Bumblebee. Yes, that was one of my first stings, is Operation Bumblebee. In order to catch Chip Coffee in a hot read, Susan can't just show up to the show. She needs a plan. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. We're trying to catch a hot read, so that's what I was going to do. I did Operation uh, Bumblebee, completely overthought it, spent uh, months working on it. Now, what I'm using to try to catch a hot read is Facebook. And I mean, it could be Instagram, it could be Twitter, it's just 
I'm using Facebook. And what we're trying to do is we're making backstories for these human beings, these people. And the Facebook pages are interacting with each other like they're real people. And then when we go to the sting, when we go to the event, we release the Facebook pages and we tag the event or we tag the psychic hmm. so that the psychic will look back. So they so they get alerted, right? And not only will they know you, who you are right. because they see your Facebook profile, but they're going to know where you're sitting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Susan and her team spent months interacting on their fake Facebook pages, hoping that tonight Chip Coffee uses that same information during one of his readings. So in the case of Chip Coffee, you were trying to get him caught in a hot read. Did you ever get him? And there was there was one time because my thing was I had a son who had died at three who oh. had who had uh, no no it's fake oh no oh. it's fake yeah, oh, it's fake. I'm sorry <laughs> but I put it on like I really did his name is Matthew it was really sad he ran in ran out into traffic it was just horrible oh my gosh poor little Matthew I just cannot believe it so I went up to his manager during a break and I asked the manager I said oh are you are you one of Chip's managers? Oh my gosh. Now I understand he does private readings. He just seems so amazing. And I said, um, I, I really want to get a private reading with him. And I understand the waiting list is really long. Is it possible that I could pay more and get moved up on the, on the, on the list? And they're like, well, of course, you know, I know damn well what they're doing. They're yes, of course they want the, they're for the money. So I said, but my son, Matthew, he was just three when he died, when he ran out of traffic and it was just so sad, but I don't know if Chip can, can reach my son because he really wasn't talking that much at the time. And so the manager says, Oh, I've seen him reached out to stillborn babies. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I wanted to barf, you know? So I went back and sat down and then Chip comes out and sure enough, I'm getting a child that is, you know, and he's like in this area and, you know, so then I, I raised my hand. So you did kind of catch him. But no, no, it was a, well, it was a hot read, but I couldn't prove it because there was no, I didn't have a recording at that time. The little bit of hot reading we got were things that we couldn't get on tape. So um, we, we, we did what we could. This time, Susan and her team decided to conduct a double blind experiment. She enlisted an actor to portray a grieving mother who lost her 13-year-old son. Susan's target was a psychic by the name of Tim Braun. We contacted him over the internet and Facebook and said, you know, do you think you could be in contact with my 13-year-old son, Andrew, who died? And he said, oh, I think I probably can. So we left all this information on the Facebook pages about how... Uh, Andrew was preceded in death by a neighbor who was a really good friend and they had reptiles, um, you know, unusual pets and, and the reptile's name was this. And so we had a long story. So in order to catch Tim Braun in a hot read, he needed to call out specific details from her Facebook page. Heather's 13-year-old son, Andrew, died in a cruise ship in the Caribbean. He liked exotic pets and he loved strawberry ice cream. So they set up a private call. She spent about 250 bucks for the first half hour reading. They called this thing Operation Ice Cream Cone. Here's some of the audio from the actual reading. Good afternoon, Tim Braun's office. Hi, it's Heather again. Thank you, Heather again. <laughs> Remember, neither the psychic nor the actor Heather know any details about her background. 
Heather. Thanks for calling back. The only thing that the actor Heather knows is that she lost her son. Heather's backstory was all on Facebook. We're listening for strawberry ice cream, exotic pets, or death on a cruise ship. All psychic Tim Braun has to do is just a simple Facebook search. It's all there. Will he take the bait? What I would like to do is go ahead and get started the sitting, if that's okay with you. You have two people that are coming into the sitting. Well, anyway, there's one woman who comes in on your mom's side of the family, and then when I look directly behind you, there's actually one male that stands behind you. There actually there's two women here. So there's actually two women on your mom's side of the family. For mom's mom, that maternal grandmother, so what's happening is there's two women that are coming through. We have mom's mom that's coming through, mm-hmm. and she shows me that she was closer to you, uh, or actually you were closer to her than, than dad's mom. And then there's also one other woman that comes in. Um, the other woman comes in mothering for you, but I, I don't know who that is. Did your, does your mother have one sister who passed over? Uh, yeah, my mom had one sister who died. So what's happening is that we have a grandmother and an aunt who are coming into the sitting right now. Okay. Grandmother and aunt? Really? What the heck is he talking about? He is completely off. Uh, the grandmother that comes in, she actually wraps her arms around you. It's very, very tight. And when she hugs you really, really tight, she says, you tell her that I still love her. Oh, man, that's that makes a lot of sense. Heather's playing along. You tell her that I, that I still love her. No. God. And then, by the way, on the side note, Heather, you're a smoker? Yes. You know, there's a, there's a, the male behind you would be a son for you. Because he just starts doing side talk, and he goes, I really wish my mom would not stop. I wish my mom would stop smoking. I, wish, I really wish my mom would not smoke. <laughs> yeah, he would uh, yell at me all the time for that. <laughs> this is it. He's walking towards the trap. But when I look at him, he has a more of a baby face on him. Yeah. He was my baby. <laughs> well, was he 19 when he passed over? Uh, he was close, close. Um, he was what was his age, please? 13. Now, all the psychic has to do is reference details from the fake Facebook page. But he never did. And this conversation went on for almost an hour without ever mentioning a specific detail from the fake Facebook page. And so the psychic came on and he did not touch the Facebook pages. He went completely cold and gave her um, a backstory of a 13-year-old who was riding his bike all over the place and he likes hamburgers and cheeseburgers. And He didn't take the bait. Mm. Yeah. The other thing he does is he wraps his arms around you, around the neck, and he gives a really tight hug from behind. And... <laughs> What he's doing is he goes, tell her that she could not have prevented this. <laughs> and the thing that he's showing me is, is that at times you still feel that you could have prevented his passing. Um, and he's saying, no, this could not have been prevented. We were waiting for the psychic to say something about ice cream, um, strawberry ice cream, uh, about reptiles, about the guy next door, um, those kinds of things. But he never read them. He, he completely did it cold. So it was another cold reading. But we learned... You know, we learned a lot, and it got the team and people trained into how to do these things. And, you know, we keep refining it and getting better and better. Yeah, it's true. It really is like, uh, it's like fishing. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. We're trying, and the bait is our Facebook pages. 
Susan and her team of skeptics finally caught a psychic doing a hot read. His name was Thomas John. They called this thing Operation Pizza Roll. Here's Susan talking about assembling the team. And I told them right off the bat, we're going to lie to a psychic. So if you have problems with lying, don't be in this group. I said, we're going to give the psychic money. So if you have problems with that, don't come in. You know, you can't be in the group. And then I said, and then we're also going to pretend we're real. And so the people around in the audience may end up becoming firmer believers in the psychic because of your react, the reactions. And, they, and nobody left the group. But I was very clear, that's, that's the rules. And I said, we're not going to stand up and expose the psychic at the event. Absolutely not. For Operation Pizza Roll, Susan and her partner in crime, Mark Edward, posed as a married couple. I said, Mark Edward and myself are going to go to the sting. And we're going to go in there. So don't create anybody who's like us. You know, don't, you know, I have three cats, so don't give me three cats, you know, something like that. So um, I have two sons, so don't give me two sons. So they went in and they created everything and they had this long story. And I became Susanna Wilson and that was my husband, Mark Wilson. And we were going to go see a psychic because I've been having dreams about my my twin brother, Andy, who had uh, died of pancreatic cancer not so long ago. That's where you're supposed to say, oh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to fall for it this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Sorry. Yeah, so uh, I, I I got my husband to go, and he he's gonna wants to talk to his dad because Mark's got all these heart problems, and uh, well, no, he doesn't have heart problems, but his dad died of heart problems. But Mark thinks he might be getting heart problems, so he had a so he had some tests done. He just wants some some you know know the results. He's worried because he's about the same age his dad was when his dad died. So, that, well, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the haunted house. Uh, so, um, I'm going to play you the tape of Thomas John. Try to catch him in the hot read. Remember, here's what we're listening for. Susan's brother, Andy, died of pancreatic cancer in 2016. Mark, Susan's husband, is upset that he didn't get to say goodbye to his father, who passed away many years ago from heart disease. Now Mark was concerned that he had inherited the disease. So we sit down, VIP passes, $161 a person, right in the third row. It's a very small room of 50 people. So there was three readings, two readings before us. The first reading was a woman way in the back that was so factual, that so exact that we were very suspicious was a hot read. And we couldn't see who she was because it was far, way back. And then the second reading was a woman was sitting right across from us, and it was a woman wearing green. And then the psychic says, I'm getting a, a, a twin brother who wants to reach out to his sister. Hmm. And so I raised my hand. That's my cue, right? It's yeah, my, he's, he's swallowing the hook. There it is. So I raise my hand. They bring a microphone over to me, and I'm dabbing at my eyes. And Somebody's twin. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I have to tell you, just as soon as I'm tapping into you, Somebody's making me aware of cancer. Is this your brother? Did he have cancer? Yes. Okay. Because he's shown me cancer. And I get in here, which to me would show me stomach or pancreas. Do you understand? Yes. He uh, does all the stuff like, oh, um, something in the stomach area. Is it pancreatic cancer? And I'm like, yes. Oh, my God. He's here. You know, and I'm all upset. So he's he's stepping forward. Now, this feels quite recent to me in terms of he didn't die a long time ago, right? No. Okay. 
one of the things he's telling me is that um, first off, he's making fun of you and teasing you for even being here. <laughs> uh, it's in a funny way, but he's kind of like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> um, but he's laughing about it, and he, he, he's, he's happy that you're here. Okay, hold on one second. Because I was going to say, there's a man here that wants, I mean, sometimes I hear things, so it's like it gets a little confusing. So, because there's a man here that totally wants to talk to him, and no offense, he doesn't want to talk to you. He wants to talk to this guy. So, I feel like this is your dad. So, um, so your dad passed from heart problems. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, I want to tell, and I want to tell you also, I feel uh, this was not a, a, a recent death. Is that correct? With your dad? No. He didn't die recently. No. Um, now, I don't want to scare you, but are, do you, have you had your heart checked? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, you need to stay with that. You need to stay with that. They're telling me, your dad's telling me, <coughs> it's not as bad as you think, but you, you, like, I feel like you're almost obsessing about it, actually. Like, I, I almost feel like you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like one thing was told to you, and now you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You're, yeah, but your dad is saying it's not as bad as you think. The brother's name, Andy? Check. Died of pancreatic cancer? Check. Mark's father died of heart disease? Check. The psychic Thomas John rattled off one fake fact after another. Oh, I'm sitting it I'm sitting down and he's on the stage. He's he's standing there with his eyes closed. He's holding the microphone. He almost never moved from the spot for like an hour and a half. So he wasn't reading anything. Um, and I doubt he had it he had anything memorized. So it's so I'm gonna leave it up to to you to decide. Was uh he speaking to the dead person who was reading our Facebook pages or was some little bird out there giving him some information somehow uh, while he's standing on the stage and you know you've had these like stings and you know some they just weren't taking the bait right but all of a sudden i mean you hear your cue you have to be going through some like emotions at that point like describe like you know what i mean like were you nervous it was very emotional i thought we got it we got it because as soon as he said i'm getting a twin who wants to reach out to his his sister or whatever he said i knew i had him and so it was like finally <laughs> think you know me you don't know me well at all you think you know me you don't know me well you think you know me, you don't know me well at all. But all in all, Susan considers this thing a success. Finally, she caught a psychic on tape doing a hot read. I'm sure he'll think twice before referencing a Facebook page prior to his performance. And this guy, Thomas John, is so upset that he's going to not be able to go out and do his thing with hot reads in the future. So his show quality is going to go down. He's going to know that he's going to look out in his audience and go, oh, shit, is Susan out here? Or one of Susan's gorillas out here? Oh, man, how can he tell? He's not psychic. Yeah, and then and then we also identified that he's a, he's a felon. He's got all these felons, um, you know, crimes for, for, for things he's done in the past. You think you know me, you don't know me well at all. 
For those of you who are curious, Thomas John is still out there doing readings. And at the time of this recording, his website has a long list of live readings. Susan and her team may have stung him, but they sure as hell didn't slow him down. I reached out to Thomas. At first, he seemed interested in talking, but then I never heard from him again. I emailed him repeatedly for his take on this story. Thomas, if you're listening, which I know you will be, I invite you to come on my show and explain your side of the story. I'd love to hear from you. Next time on Pretend. You realize that you have a bullet in your back? You realize that, correct? There's a possibility that you may die. You realize that? This mountainside confession is how it all ends. But where and how did this manhunt begin? This is the story of the Norco bank robbery, one of the most violent bank heists in U.S. history. We're going to go back to where it all started, a town called Norco, right outside of Los Angeles, California. And you're going to hear from some of the people who were there that day at the Security Pacific Bank. That's next time on Pretend. So I'm working on this crazy story about cyberstalking, and it got me thinking, have you or someone you know have been a victim of cyberstalking? I mean, the internet is a great place, but it's also pretty scary. So if you want to share your story, just send me a voicemail at 919-444-2280. I think the best defense against cyberstalkers is knowing how these creeps work so you could avoid becoming one of their victims. Again, leave me a voicemail. The number is in the show notes. Also, I just printed some new pretend shirts. Actually, they're real t-shirts with the pretend logo on it, and they look pretty sweet. So if you want one, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and include your Twitter or Instagram handle. I'll select some few folks at random and send you a shirt. And if you've already left the review, just go in and edit it and add your Twitter or Instagram handle. Okay, that's all I got. I'll see you in two weeks. Creative power.